0: for listening to our podcast recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford you can find out more about us on our website gatewaychurchashford.co.uk love us for any other reason than that God loves us and 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 as a result of that love God sent his son into the world Christ came into the world and Christ chose the cross for us that we might be able to enter into a relationship with him so like, we don't have to do anything to earn God's love or approval. God already loves us. God already has chosen you. And the amazing thing is, it's not just that. God actually calls you to be part of a family as well. You know, when, 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 uh, when God is speaking to the Israelites, he's talking about them being a people group, that they are a special people, that they're called to be a people together. And we as a church are called to be a people together. Paul in, in, the, in the New Testament talks about the, the, the body of Christ, Peter talks about the church being a holy people. In fact, actually, he's kind of referring to these verses in Deuteronomy. Peter talks about um, the fact that we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That, That Actually, there's something about us as the church that's different from other people. And yet, actually, we're called together to be family. We're called together to be a family together. And God wants you to be part of a family, a local family, a local church family. And it's really important that you understand that. You see, actually, you will get the most out of your walk with Jesus when you're part of a family of believers. You you won't get a lot out of your walk with Jesus if you just try and go it alone and you walk on your own. The best for you, the best for your life, is that you, you commune, you have community with other Christians, other believers, that you see yourself as part of a family. And I'd encourage you to see yourself as part of a local church family as well. You see, the local church is so important. You know, actually, it's through us that people around Ashford can encounter the living God. It's through the church that people can see the manifold wisdom of God. It's through us as a group of believers. We demonstrate something to the world around us. You see, when people come into this space, they should see something different from our culture. They should see a group of people who um, are completely Together, who are a family, and it doesn't matter what we look like or where we come from, it doesn't matter what our background or family situation is like. That actually each of us finds belonging here, each of us finds community here, each of us finds purpose here. We're called to be a family, we're called to be a family together, and that's so important that you hear that. I'm going to reiterate that at the end of my talk today, but it's really felt God laying that on my heart this morning. We're called to be a family together, and it's with that heart of family that I want to talk to you about a few things today. You see. The thing is, actually, you are, you are important here. Not just you as a group, you as an individual. You are important in this family. You know, Paul talks in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the fact that we're a body and that every member of the body has something important to do. You are important to the body. So first of all, I want to say thank you to you for being part of this church or thank you even if it's for your first time coming today and you're a guest. Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest today, or if you are already part of the family, you have an important role to play here. You've got unique talents, unique abilities, unique giftings, unique skills that other people in the church don't have. You are different from everybody else here. You've got a different background, you've got a different upbringing, you've got different thoughts and opinions about things. You are unique. You're unique in the eyes of God, and you're called to be a part of this family. You know, actually, we... What we want to see happen is that everybody in our family is actually being part of the family, is taking part in it, is getting involved, is actually saying, hey, I'm gonna make this place my home, be, be able to belong here. I was just thinking about, about my own family at home. You know, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so Jude, who's two, is not very well today, which is why they're not here, Claire's at home with them. And um, what we're trying to teach Edie, particularly at the moment, is that we're not her servants, we're not her slaves. <laughs> And that she can't kind of dictate things to us all the time and say, oh, can you go and get me a drink? No, go and get yourself a drink, cheeky urchin. Yeah, it's, We're teaching her that she's part of a family and that actually she's got a role to play. So we, we teach her, you know, hey, you need, to, you need to go and clear up your bedroom. You need to tidy up after yourself. You're part of the family. You need to help mum. You need to help dad. You need to be part of the family. Don't wind your brother up. You know, it's that kind of thing that we're teaching her at the moment because we're trying to teach her that actually... Our best for her is that she recognizes she belongs and that we don't just serve her and we don't just wait on her because that wouldn't teach her very well at all. And the same is true of church, you see. Actually, for you as an individual, you're called to be part of the family, to get involved. This is really important. Your being part of Gateway makes us better. It really does. Because you're here, because you're saying, I want to be part of this family, this group of believers, we can do things we couldn't do before. We can do things we couldn't do before because you are uniquely gifted and uniquely skilled. You see, because of you being here, we can do things that we weren't able to do without you. You being here makes us better as a church family. And there are three ways that we give into the church life. There are three ways. Now, I'm using a horrible American alliteration here. The three things that we can give into the church family are this. Time, talents, and treasures. Like, Pirates. Time, talents, and treasures. You can give your time, your talents, and your treasures into a family. You can do that in in your normal earthly family as well. You can give your time, your talents, and your treasures into that as well. But as a church family, we give in those ways. So we can give of our time. Look, Time is the most valuable commodity that we have. And for most of us now, it's a short supply. But I think often we quite waste a lot of time as well, don't we? Yeah, we waste a lot of time. Time is important, and what we do with it counts. We can give our talents. Each of us is talented in different ways. And it's when we find out what our talents are and we prioritise those things, both within church and within life, that we start to function best. So for you as an individual, actually you're functioning best in life is when you start to recognise what God's given you as your abilities and you work and walk within those things. And when you do that, you will get the most out of your life. You know, the most important talents are often the ones that aren't the most visible. So, for example, caring for one another. The people in the church who've got that amazing pastoral just being hospitable. The the people who phone people up and just check on how they're doing. Those gifts are so important to the life of the body. So when I'm talking about talents, I'm not just talking about the fantastic worship team or or the the, the children's workers. things that we see that are visible, but also you've got talents that will go unnoticed in church life, but they are fundamental to the glue that holds things together. You see, we're all important. We all have different talents. And, and lastly, we, we, we all have treasures. So, and I'm not just talking about, about money, but I'm predominantly talking about money when I talk about treasure. I would say this, that there, are, there are various ways in which we can give into the church. So we give to other people as, to bless them in the church, but we also give into the church, not because we're giving to, to me or one of the other elders, but you're giving it to God. And so we can give our time, our talents, and our treasures. And that's what I'm going to spend time focusing on this morning. But before I get into that, let me just talk about the word give. Because the word give is really important. In fact, I would say that the word give is the most important word in the Bible. If you took the whole Bible, I would say that the word give is the most important. Let me just get you to consider this very famous verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world. See, some people would say, well, love's the most important thing. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So in the light of this verse, some might think that love is the most important word in the Bible. And it's true that love is a very important verb. It is very important. But when you think about it, the essence of genuine love is to give without conditions. That's what real love is. Real love is to give without conditions. And the counterfeit of love is lust, which is to get and take. Yeah. So so when we talk about love within marriage, we're talking about giving without conditions. We're talking about serving one another. We're talking about loving one another and counting the cost of that love. We're not talking about lust. We're talking about love. And so love finds its real root in the word give. Give cuts across the root of our sin problem, which is self-idolatry. You know, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, yes, they were tempted by the snake, but they Convinced themselves that they knew better than God. You see, their sin was actually one of self-idolatry. They thought they knew better. Did God really say, Well, I, I'm gonna do it anyway, because it seems good to me that I'm gonna do it. You actually self-idolatry is the root of sin. It's a I want for me attitude. And when we give, when we give, what we do is we crucify ourself, we act like God, and we set ourselves up to be blessed like him by him in powerful ways. I don't think we talk enough about being sacrificial as Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, that actually, we're called to... Jesus said, didn't he, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And so for some of us, actually, that's going to look very different from others. But <clears throat> taking up our cross and following Jesus is something that we all need to do. And it's, it's, a, it's a crucifying of self. It's giving over to God. Let me just illustrate this uh, to you from the, the following passage from Philippians 2. Just to, just to illustrate this whole idea about giving and self. Let me just read this to you. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any participation in the Spirit, the affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. So that's the self. But in humility, this is about giving. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's about giving. Let each of you look out not only to his own interests, so that's the self, but also to the interests of others. That's, again, giving. You see, Paul's trying to demonstrate something to these Philippian believers, that actually that they shouldn't just look to themselves, but they should be thinking about other people. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he uses the illustration of Jesus to teach us how we should behave. You see, he says this, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. So he didn't just focus on the self, but he made himself nothing. That's he gave. He took the form of a servant. Again, it shows that he gave. Being born in the likeness of men. Again, he gave. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I mean, that's the ultimate act of giving that we've experienced in the whole of history, that God came down, became man, and gave his life for us, that we might know God's. Our minds should be the same as Christ. We need to be self-sacrificial and give. And there's a result of this giving, you see, if you read these verses in Philippians 2, let's read the result of the giving of Christ. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus gave of himself that we might know God. But as a result of Jesus giving of himself, <coughs> Jesus has been exalted to the highest place. Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all dominion. It's, it's all his. There is, see, there's a result to giving as well. There's a result to giving as well. Whenever we give our time and our, our treasures or our talents, whenever we give those things what I'll be talking about is this word stewardship. And I've, I've used it, I've spoken to you about this before, but it is really important that we understand that when we talk about giving in the context of the Bible, we're talking about stewarding. Okay, so everything you have isn't yours. Everything you have isn't yours. It's actually God's. It's actually God's. This is illustrated in the Old Testament with the, the Israelites. See, the Israelites, they, 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 they go, God says, I'm going to give you the promised land, you can have it. But then when you start reading actually how, how he talks to them about it, it's almost like they are borrowing it from him. That it's not actually really theirs, but they're getting to use it and look after it for God's. They're almost tenants in the land that God's the owner of. If you read Deuteron- Deuteronomy 15, for example, it will give you a good indication of that kind of relationship. That actually they're tenants in the land that God owns. And that everything really that, they, that God's saying is theirs, it is theirs, but it still ultimately belongs to God's. And that is the same of us today. You see, everything we have is God's. and So we, we need to steward what God gives us. That means look after it and use it well. We need to steward it well. We give back to God because he's first given to us. And that's a response to grace. You see, grace is, is receiving salvation that we didn't, we didn't deserve. It's that love thing that I spoke about at the start when I spoke earlier on. You know, grace is, is receiving something we didn't deserve. We get Christ's riches. We get the riches of God at Christ's expense. Grace, we get get those riches of God, the, the, the inheritance of the saints. And when we give, we're responding to that grace. Everything we have, our time, our resources, our bodies, everything belongs to God. Jesus, in the parable of the talents, asserts that how we steward, that is looking after what he has given us, is of vital importance. You look at those people in that that parable, you know, they they, they have their, their each, they get given a certain amount and they do different things with it. And actually, what they do with it matters. When, when it comes to the, at the end and they come back to give the money back, what they do with it matters. What we do with what God's given us matters to God. So when we give, we don't give out of compulsion either. But also, we need to think about this. When we give, we give out of gratefulness. You see, when you give, you're giving out of this sort of attitude. God, you've given me absolutely everything. So therefore I'm going to freely give it back to you. Jesus talks about, you know, when you give to the poor, give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. You know, it should be an open handed attitude to life. You know, because we've been we've received grace from God, therefore we can give it out freely to other people. We've received this from God, therefore we can give it out. I think I've said before that that blessed to be a blessing. Yeah? We've been blessed in every spiritual way. But also, some of us have been blessed in every economical way as well. Blessed to be a blessing. We have been blessed by God. This is from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, we give cheerfully. We don't give because we're feeling like we're being made to give. But we give because actually God has blessed us. We give because our heart is that actually God gave it to us first. But there are some effects when we give. Let me just give you these few things. What happens when we give? Well, look, there are th- four things I would say that happens when you give. F- first of all, love. When you give, you demonstrate love. When you give, you demonstrate love. Romans 5.8 says this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God demonstrates love by Jesus dying for us. That's how he, he, he loves us. When you give, you demonstrate love. When you give somebody your time, so I'm not just talking about money here. When you, when you give somebody your time, when you give them your affection, when you give them forgiveness, when you give them that listening ear, when you take them out for a coffee, when you give them something financial, when you give them a gift, when you give them your heart, When you give them your undivided attention, you're demonstrating that you love them. You're demonstrating love for that person. Secondly, what else comes out of this? Giving is an investment. When you give, you invest. We're a church with a heart not only to reach Ashford, but people all over the world. And we do that through outreach, through church planting, and through bringing the kingdom to unreached and unengaged people groups. So when you give financially, when you get on your knees and pray for other people, when you give of your time and your talents to serve others, you're investing. You See, we want to invest as a church. So here's, here's a practical example of what I'm talking about. So all of our income every year, we as a church give 10% of our income out to other churches, out to other mission, missionary funds, out to other organisations, because we want to demonstrate something to you that actually we're called not just to be a blessing to Ashford, but be a blessing to the world. So actually, we we need to be like that as a community. We recognise that we are investing in something that's bigger than ourselves. Thirdly, when you give, you store up treasure. When you give your time, your talent, your treasure to advance the kingdom of God, to help other people, to minister to other people, you demonstrate that you're not your own, that your time is not your own, that it belongs to God, that your lives are not your own, that they belong to God, that your money is not your own, it belongs to God. Our time, talents, abilities and capacities don't belong to us, they belong to God. And I do believe that there is something about, in the Bible, about being blessed as you give. I don't believe that that means that you're going to receive more money. So you might have come from a church background that teaches prosperity teaching, that if you give, God will give you more. And that basically treats God like a slot machine, that you put money in and you get more money out the bottom. And that is not how it is with God at all. That's not what God teaches us to be like with money, and that's not our expectation of when we give money. But I would say this, is that as you give, you will know God blessing you. You will know God blessing your life. Okay, and that doesn't mean that you're going to get more money back. It might just be a blessing of, hey, I'm free from the power of money in my life. It might be a blessing. There's more than that. It might be a spiritual blessing. You might just see a release spiritually over your life. You might feel, oh my goodness, I can love other people more. As I'm giving, I just feel, feel more generous hearted. You know, actually, that is God blessing you as well. So when we give, we are blessed by God, but that is not always or not necessarily financial. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21, Jesus said this, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, Jesus encourages us to have an eschatological, that means future view. He encourages us to think about the future. He encourages us to think about our lives here being temporary. That actually there's something beyond this life that we are living for now. And he says that actually we should use our money accordingly. That we should use our money accordingly. That actually don't get so caught up in the now that you forget about the future. Actually, as you give now, as you invest your time, your talents, your treasures now, actually, you're building an eternal reward for yourself, is what Jesus is getting at. Fourthly, what else happens when we give? Well, look, we empower. We empower. We empower other people when we give. We empower ministry when we give. We empower other people. We equip other people. When you take that person out for a coffee or when you give that person a listening ear, what you're doing is you're empowering them. What you're doing is you're allowing them to talk to you. You're, you're encouraging them. You're exhorting them. You're coming alongside them. So when you give your time to somebody, you are being an encouragement to them. And that empowers them. When you give into the church, you're giving it to God. But it does, i am be genuinely honest about it, it does empower us. It enables us to be able to do more than we could have done before. It does do those things. Look. These things are so important that you get hold of. How are you doing with these three things? How are you doing with the giving of your time, the giving of your talents, the giving of your treasure? For some of you, maybe you give too much of your time. Maybe actually you give so much that you've got no balance to your life at all. Maybe you spend all of your time looking after other people and that actually you've spent, you spend no time with God because you don't have time for it. Or you're rushing around with the rest of your life. So what's the balance like for you? What's the balance like? So time, let me just go through these things in a little bit more detail and how we can use these three things here at the church. So when we give our time, when I'm talking about time in relation to church, I'm talking really about um, serving on a Sunday or serving in, 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 in other capacity during the week. So how could you, maybe you've just started coming to Gateway, how could you get involved? How could you belong as part of the family? Could you get involved in a serving team? Maybe you're really amazing at PA, but you've just never told anybody. Yeah, maybe you're a gifted children's worker. Maybe you're a teacher who goes, oh, maybe I don't want to do this on a Sunday morning, and I understand that because I used to be a teacher. But. You know, maybe you're a teacher and God's gifted you to work with children and young people. And maybe actually your talent is there and you could use that for the kingdom of God here on a Sunday morning. Maybe you are a really hospitable, welcoming person, but you've hid it away by going, all right, every time you turn up on a Sunday. Maybe that's your attitude. Look, we need people on our hosting team on a Sunday morning. I'll be be honest, we do. We we always have gaps in our serving. We always do. You know, there's not been a time when I've been here, we haven't had a gap because we're growing. But at the same point, actually, there's always, a, uh, there's always room for more. So whatever God's called you to, maybe there's a new uh, ministry or a new serving team you could get involved in over the season ahead. Serving isn't just helping the church out. It's not. It really isn't. Serving is demonstrating to yourself that you belong to the body. It's a really different distinction. You see, when you serve, you're not just, rem- you're not just saying, oh, I'm helping the church out by doing this job. You're actually demonstrating to yourself, to your soul, to your spirit, that you belong to this family. That that actually you're here and you're called to be here. You know, if you just come and waltz in and waltz out every week, which is fine, you are more than welcome to do that, you're not demonstrating you're part of the body. You know, with Edie at home, we want her to see her as part of the family. And as she actually gets involved and clears up after herself, she's recognising she's part of a family. She's recognising that actually she's together with us. She's in on it. And that she's not just an outsider who's like a guest and uses our, ho- our, our house like a hotel or a b and yeah? So actually, you know, you are more than welcome to, to keep, keep coming along to Gateway and not be involved. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying to you is if you want to be part of this family, get involved with us. It will do you good. It will do your soul good because actually you're demonstrating something to yourself. You see, when we serve, we make the overall health of the body stronger. We enable others. We enable others to grow. Serving one another builds up. You know, Paul often talked about loving one another, building one another up, one another. One of the best ways you can do that is by getting involved in serving because you're, you're working with other people. You're getting to know them. You're sharing your life with them. You're taking time and effort to be involved. I've already said this. You're uniquely talented. And giving of our talent could involve in participating in leading one of our groups maybe at Gateway next term. We've had people this term who are leading groups for the first time. Or maybe it's serving as part of a team on the Sunday morning. I just indicate that there are a few skills that maybe that are hiding away in different places. Now maybe, yeah, hey look, we, we need musicians. Maybe you're a world-class musician. Maybe you just don't let anybody know about it. You've got talents and skills that you could use. And lastly, treasure: giving our finances. Now I'm going to say this to you, and I genuinely mean this: I don't want your money. I don't, want, I don't want to be standing here today and you think that I'm just asking you for money. That this is, oh, this is a talk all about money. He's just trying to... I don't. This is not the attitude. I, I want you to know God's best for you. I do. I, I genuinely just want you to know what God's best is for your life. And that's really important for you to understand. You see, I'm not asking you... when I, and Now I'm going to talk about money. I'm not asking you to give money into the church just to fill our coffers up. Yeah? so that I get paid every month. I'm not asking for that. That's not about this at all. My heart is that you know God's best for your life. And so what's God's best for you? That God's best for you is this, that you love him with all your heart, your mind and your soul. Jesus said that. That you become more like Jesus who gave of himself freely. You see, God calls you to grow to be more like Jesus. And Jesus gave freely. Thirdly, that you grow in obedience to him. That's God's best for you as well. And that Fourthly, that you steward all he's freely given you so that it doesn't start taking a rule and reign over your life. You see, when we give, Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both and. And when you give, you destroy the power of of, of money in your life. And as you give out to others, as you give to to God, what you're doing is you're diminishing the power of money to have control and authority over you. That's very important. You see, I want you to see that giving your money to God will develop your relationship with him. And because you break that power of wealth that money can have. You see, money is so powerful. It can hold us captive. You know, and, and, and people that I know who are captive to money live life with a, a tight-fisted, handed attitude. They're like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. They won't let go of the ring for anybody else to look at because it's theirs and it's their own. And they try and protect it with everything they have all the time. But actually what's really interesting about those people is it's like they never have enough. They never have enough and it's almost like money's pouring out of their hand all the time around them. Actually what God calls us to be is open-handed. He calls us to give freely. And that's what happens is, is as we do that, it's like actually it's just a conduit. It just comes in, goes out. It's like a flow of water. It's like waves on a shore going in, going out. And it doesn't matter to us because it's, it's not, we're not controlled by it. It's not holding something over the top of our heads. We're allowing it just to be, we're being used freely as God wants us to be used. Really important that you understand, I'm not asking you for your money, but I'm asking you to consider your heart before God. What's your heart like? Is it closed-handed? Are you a golem when it comes to money? Or are you open-handed? Do you give so that you don't even remember that you've given? Because that's what Jesus talks about. Give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Give in such a way that you can't almost remember that you've given. That's the attitude that we should have or we should be growing in. We're all on a giving journey. I've I, I put some steps up, and I've shown you this before, but this is really important that you understand this. Because can, can there's, there's like a ladder of steps, Tim. Is that, is that, yeah, there you are. We're all on a giving journey. Look, everybody here is on this journey. We are all here on this journey somewhere. Maybe you've never given before. Hey, I'm new to giving financially. Maybe you have given, but you don't give regularly. So I'm going to talk about, I'll talk, talk, tell you a story in a second. Maybe, thirdly, maybe you give regularly, but not in proportion to your earnings. Maybe fourthly, you give in faith and in proportion to what you earn. Or lastly, maybe you give in faith and proportion to what you earn, but also, there's, on top of that, you give just extravagantly and generous, generously. Look, I hope to be there, but I'm not there yet. I'll be genuinely honest. I would say I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the fourth step up at the moment. I give in faith and proportion to what I earn. Okay, that's where I'm at, but we're all on this giving we're all on the giving journey and um I was speaking to somebody after after I spoke last week because i spoke I spoke this same message at the riverside, and they were saying to me in a previous church they've been encouraged to give ten percent now I would say ten percent is a great place to start of your earnings so the way I'd encourage you to finance your life is like this you live off of eighty percent, you give ten percent to God and you save ten percent okay that's a great way of like planning for your future, of, not, of managing your finances well, and also honouring God with what you have. That is a good thing to aim for. But I was chatting to this person last week, and they were saying, look, our last church, we, we were told we had to give 10%. You must give it. Um, and, I, and I said to him, look, actually, think more about it like this. Are you, able to, are you giving 10% every month at the moment? No, no, I'm only able, I, I, I only feel capable of being able to do this every three months at the moment. Okay, Right, why don't you, therefore, then give 5% for a few months every month? Start managing your money better and then actually trust that you're on a giving journey with God, that actually you can go, actually, I'm giving regularly but not in proportion to my earnings. So next year, I'll look at maybe increasing that amount. This is about trust as well. See, God says that you can test God with money. You can trust God and you can test him with it. And so you need to give in proportion to your faith is what I'm getting at. You need to give in proportion to your faith. So, for you today, I'm not saying give 10% of your income. That's a great thing to do. That is a really good thing to do. I'm saying give in proportion to your faith and give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. See, what's the effect of giving? Money doesn't have a hold on us. When we give, we demonstrate that we are Christ's. When we give, we demonstrate that we're sold out for God. When we give, we demonstrate. That we know him. And when I, I started working for the church, I, I, got, I, I took a, a 20 grand pay cut. And, uh, and it was quite a hard year. I, I'm not going to lie, it was quite difficult. But the one thing we did is we made sure that we kept giving uh, the same rate, the same percentage we'd always given at. Um, and that was tough at times. But the, look, I, I'm telling you this for a reason. We never went empty handed. We always knew God with us. We always knew God before us. And the other thing we've known as well over the last 18 months is that we are more sold out for God than we ever were before. You see, when you live with that open-handed attitude, God blesses you with a heart that is just there to follow him. And actually, we need to live with that way, that we're there to follow Jesus. So look, there are three ways that you can give. You can give regularly and proportionately. I think 10% is a great place to start. If you can do that, but if you don't have the faith for that, as I was just saying earlier on, you might want to start lower than that. Maybe but what I would say is try and get your finances sorted out so that you are in control of what you're doing with it every month. You know, if you get paid monthly, some of us get paid weekly in the church, and you do it every week. You work out what's coming in and going out on a week. But maybe most of us get paid monthly. So work out what's coming in and what's going out every month. And make the first thing you think about your giving. That's really important. Some of us, though, are able to give more than 10%. And that's why I think 10% should never be the, 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 the everybody should give 10%. Because some of us have been blessed so abundantly by God, Bill Gates, that you could give well over 10% and it have no impact on your life whatsoever. You see, God's after your heart. He's not after a percentage. Why do we give? Because we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body is what Paul writes to the Corinthians. You see, this is uncomfortable for me to speak about. I don't like speaking about this because the danger is you can misconstrue my heart as a charity pitch for more money. And that is genuinely not what I'm trying to say to you this morning. But I do want to challenge you in your heart. Do you give regularly? Have you ever given? And this is not just our, our treasure. This is our time and our talents as well. Or are you concerned more concerned with the new stuff and a knife's lifestyle? Or do you squirrel all your money away? Are you a saver but you never give anything? You see, if those things are true, maybe money's got a hold on you. I just encourage you to think about those things this morning so how are you giving your time how are you giving your talents how are you giving your treasure you see all of those ways you could get involved at gateway you might not be able to serve on a sunday morning but you might be amazingly gifted at earning money for the kingdom of god you might be able to just sew that in you know actually that is an it would be an incredible resource so we're all called to be unique and called to be different and we're all called to be part of a family and being part of a family is the most important thing for you to understand. You see, if you want to be part of a family, give into that family. Get involved in that family. Take part in that family. You know, as you do, you'll find belonging and community. And as we close today, as we close our, what I'm saying today, and we, we, we begin to worship again, we're going to take up communion. And the reason we're going to do this is because we're part of a family. You see, in Christ, we become one body. We become one flesh. We become one together. We become the body of Christ. And, and what an amazing picture of the body of Christ is communion. We're recognising that we're a community as we have communion together. And so we're going to take communion together um, in, in a second. But just also, before I, before I close, at the end of the meeting today, maybe you do want to listen to what I've said today. And that there might be a couple of applications for you here. First of all, maybe you don't give anything to, 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 into the church, into, into Gateway. Maybe you're giving it elsewhere. Maybe you're giving to another church at the moment. And you want to say, no, I want to belong to this family. I'm going to give into this church. I'm going to say, this is my, like in, in, the, in Judaism, it would be, this is my local temple. This is where I'm going to give my money into. And if that's you, then uh, there are some standing order forms available in reception. Um, but also, could you just put up the, the details on the screen for anybody who might be interested in? If you do, I mean, this is just generally, again, I'm not after your money, I'm after your heart. Okay, genuinely, please hear me out on this. But if you did want to start doing that, they're the details for you. They Leave them up for a second. Um, secondly, maybe throughout the course of the last three weeks as I've done these three talks about who we are as a community, what we're here for, and how you can get involved, Time, Talents, Treasures, that you're going, actually, I really want to be part of Gateway Church. I actually just want to say, no, I'm committed to this group of people. I want to come under the leadership of, the, of, of this leadership team and I want to be part of it. And if that's you, please come and speak to me afterwards and I'll talk to you about how you can become a church, a church member. Because I'd love to meet with you, talk to you about that, talk to the you family about you, maybe see how we can fit you in somewhere. And so actually the application for some of you might just be, I'm going I'm to join and become a member of this church. That doesn't give you special spiritual credit, but it just means that you're saying I belong to the family. And it means as well that I know who I'm accountable to God for. And Pete knows he, you know, as an eldership, we know who we're accountable to God for, okay? Let's, um, those people who had asked to do communion, can you come forward? And the band, could the band come up and play something? And as we do, we're going to take up communion together and we're going to sing a song as we finish.